time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Uh, we're starting a new series tonight. Uh, and we're going to spend quite a few weeks, actually, talking about the Holy Spirit, living a supernatural life. And so uh, we'll have this the next two weeks. And then May 4th, you heard the announcement, we'll have our warrior night and our daughter night. So the ladies will be in here. Uh, and then the fellows uh, will be doing the warrior night in the theater. And so um, May 4th, make sure that's going to be a very active night. Bring lots of friends to that. Um, a, a lot a lot taking place that night. Lots of surprises. It's going to be good. Um, so, good. All right, well, let's pray together and we'll begin. Uh, Father, we do love you so much. God, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for the hunger for you that's in this room. God, I just thank you how you met us, even in worship. We thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for the fact that we get to meet together, God. I thank you for the way that they love you and the way that they pursue you. God, I just I thank you for the, the, the testimonies of you working in their hearts. God, even this week of how you're, you're moving on campuses. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would continue to transform us. Jesus, we want to be like you. We want, to, we want to be your disciples in the present tense right here, right now. In, in a very real way. We love you. And everybody said amen. amen. A few years ago, uh, a number of years ago, uh, we took the furnace to uh, Thailand. We went to uh, Bangkok and Tyrell was but a wee little lad then. And uh, younger, more piercings back then. Hair was a little blonder and longer. But anyway... Um, so, so we, we, we went to Thailand and, and we had three different groups to kind of split up once we got to Thailand. And my team uh, stayed in Bangkok. Tyrell led a team that went somewhere else. And then who was the other leader, huh? You went to Phuket? Yeah, something like that. And uh, yeah, Phuket. Yeah. And then, and then another team went somewhere else. And so my team was in Bangkok. And, and, and one of the things that the church leader told us to do, he took us to the university and uh, he took us to, they, they, we don't really do this in America, but there they have cafeteria at the university. So it's like a gargantuan outdoor market. And uh, university students in Bangkok, Thailand. And he asked, he, they kind of prepped us and told us what we were going to do. And they said, well, we're going to take you to the middle of Bangkok, to the university. We're going to take you to the cafeteria. And you're going to have a couple hours to win people to Christ. And so in our head, we were like, okay, cool. We're going to like paint our faces white, do pantomimes, you know, like, how are we going to do this? And they just said, we want you to just go tell people about Jesus. And, uh, and I remember feeling a little bit of anxiety, like, okay, we're in a whole different country and, uh, you're going to drop us off and we're going to just go talk to people about Jesus. And there was a little bit of like, uh, holy smokes, Batman! I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I've, if I, if I'm ready to just kind of wind up, ready, preach the gospel, go. And so we we went there and had many opportunities. God did great things. In fact, uh, there's just phenomenal stories of people winning others to Christ, and some of the Thai students uh, became Christians that week, and and it was awesome. It was powerful. 
But I remember just the, the sense of, it's, it's going to take a miracle. It's going to take God. It's gonna, I'm gonna, I, I need God. If I'm going to be put in an environment like this, in my own strength, I just don't, I just don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. And I don't know if you've ever been there. I, I, I remember another experience. We, we went to Israel and, and we took the furnace to Israel and we arrived in Jerusalem and we had different teams go to different places. Dan took a team to uh, the beach. Uh, what was that city called? Anyway, I took a team to Jerusalem. And, uh, and then we, we went into a Palestinian area and we went to a, a school. And I, and, and I went to a Palestinian high school and there was, it, was, it, was, it was filled with Muslim students. And they said, we want you to teach a class and want you to look for opportunities to even talk to these guys about Jesus. And yet again, it was this... Uh, the sense of, I don't, I don't, I, this is a hard scenario. And I remember teaching and talking to them about Jesus and there being resistance. And I remember asking questions about Islam and, and they would communicate back about what they believed. And then I would communicate about what I believed and, and I would talk about Jesus. And, and I remember the sense that, that the Holy Spirit was helping me, but I just remember on my own strength I, I, the, the anxiety and the, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can be this. I, can, I don't know, this mission sounds a little bit hard unless, unless by God's power, he's with me. I, I need God for this moment to do what, what you're asking me to do. What God is calling me to do in this moment. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take God in the present tense right here, right now in Israel. Or right here, right now in Thailand. To be able to be a voice to these young people. And I don't know what it's like for you. But I know that as we gather here on Wednesday nights. We come together and we sing great grandiose statements as we ought. We say things about the excellencies of God. Even in our words we make commitments to who God is. And and to be his representatives out there. To be his representatives. I'm not just talking about your campus. But I'm talking about when you're on the road. When you're at the school. When you're at Home Depot. When you're at Chili's. Wherever it is you go. We, we, we want, we want to be his hands and his feet as we disperse from here. But the reality is, is that I think all of us have experienced times where it's kind of like, I, 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 in my own strength, I'm going to fail. I, I don't know if I have what it takes to be bold and to be strong. In fact, I interviewed a hundred teenagers and I asked them, if as you go into a new year, as we were coming up on a new school year, and I just I just asked them, as you as you leave, what is the hardest thing in your Christian journey? What's the most difficult part of being a Christ follower? Every single one of them were sold out. Every single one of them were the kind that said, "I'm I'm going to go hard after God." It, it wasn't the kind of people that were like, "Yeah, I'm kind of half in, kind of half out, kind of want to live for myself." Kinda, none of that. I'm talking people that like love Jesus. They're like, "I'm I'm in." And 60-something percent, the dominant response was, I'm a little bit nervous about what it's going to be like to visibly talk about or proclaim or speak about Jesus to lost people, to my lost friends. And that was kind of the premier difficulty. It was kind of like, I don't know how to do that. And I think a lot of the time when we come here, 
We may not say it, but what we think is, all right, in this environment, I'll be one thing. In this environment, hands raised. Stefan says, knees go down, knees go down, great. And, and, and maybe when, you know, Nico or Mel tell us to sing praises to God, I sing praises to God when I'm with my friends. I, I say some Christian things and talk that way. But, but then, then we've got what we might think is the other world or the real world or, or the world outside of here. And, 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 and we know that to, to be that this way out there, well, that's just a little bit too extreme. That might create tension. And, and, and we live in an environment and a culture where, where religion has been moved to be okay if it's in the private sector. And so, and so as long as you are, as you, you can be as passionate for God as you want to be in the private sector, but when you bring it out to the public sector, it is not culturally okay in america it's not culturally okay to be flamboyant or to be clear or to be uh, uh focused in your faith in other words there's cultural pushback and so inevitably that leads us to a position of well since since that's not culturally acceptable then i'll be passionate for god in the private sector but out there I'll be kind of quiet about it because it's not culturally cool. It's not culturally okay. And of course, that's where many of us live. And, and, and then over time, you know, a week becomes two weeks, becomes two months, becomes two years. And we get used to that. And that becomes our routine. And our routine becomes, we're one thing here. And it's okay to be passionate for God here. It's, 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 it's desired here. It's exciting. In fact, your youth pastors want you to be. But when we go out there... Well, in the public sector, well, in America in 2011, to be strong and clear and focused about my faith, well, that's, that's not really allowed. And, and so we live with this tension because we know that when we read what the person that died on a cross that we celebrate and rose again, and we're going to celebrate that this week at Easter... We know that when we look at what he said and what he told us to do, he didn't, he, he told us to be a light and he, and he actually told us not to hide the light. And he actually told us that, you know, you don't take a light and put it under a bowl. You, you put it on a, on a stand so that it gives light to everyone in the room. And, and he told us to be the light and he told us to do what he did and he told us to say what he said. And he told, and, and he told us those things. And that whole time he's saying, be in the public sector what I am right here to you. And so we live with this tension. Because in this environment, we, we actually do love God. We actually do. We do want to be in love with God and passionate for God. And we want to fulfill what Jesus told us to, to be and to do. And so, so we are that here. And then we inevitably face the tension of, and I'm not just talking about mockery. I'm talking about like people mocking us. But I'm talking about what in our culture is acceptable. And, and all cultures are different. And some cultures... In, in some cultures, uh, it, 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 it's, it's very diverse across the world today, but even historically over the last 2,000 years about what's allowed in the public sector and what's cool and what's not cool and what's okay and what's not okay. And it's kind of why one of the reasons why when we do missions trips, we come back with so many stories because it's kind of like, well, once I'm out of my culture, once I leapfrog out of the United States and I go to Mexico or maybe if I go somewhere else and then I'm strong in my faith and then I come back with stories. Why? Because I've gotten out of my comfort zone and well, I don't, I'm not going to see you again. I'm, I'm leaving on a jet plane. So I'll go ahead and I'll be strong in this environment. 
And I'll go ahead, and if I'm in Africa, or if I'm in Mexico, or if I'm in India, well, then I'll go ahead and I'll be strong, because I'm not going to see you again until whatever you think of me, it doesn't really matter that much, because I'm going to go back to the people that I do care about what they think about me, and once I get back to those people back in America, then I'm going to hide my light under a bushel again. And so, now we might not say that, but that's the tension that we live in, and we live in this tension where... Passion for Jesus at DSM, passion for Jesus, you know, at at Coram Deo, passion for Jesus at the conference, passion for Jesus at the retreat or the trip to Alabama. And, And maybe even passion for Jesus out there, out overseas. But, but with the people that don't believe like I believe in Colorado Springs, where I live, well, if I'm, if I'm strong there, and if I actually do what Jesus told us to do there, then I might, might be rejected. And then we'll use the argument, well, and because I don't want to ultimately have them reject Christ, then I'll give in to the cultural norm. And in my head, I make an excuse and I say, and because I don't want to offend them, and i.e. they become offended at Jesus then I'll turn my light down. Then I'll hide my light under a bushel. Then I'll go ahead and just be quiet, silent. And it's hard to put words to that because because we don't want that to be the case. But as weeks turn to months and months turn to years... We become familiar with it. But the problem is, is that Jesus, the one who told us, he's the one that, that told us not to deny him in front of others. He's the one that told us to be a light. He's the one that told us to preach the gospel. He's the one that told us to go do the things that he did. He's the one that told us to go cast out demons. And he's the one that told us to go do what he did. And he said not to be ashamed of him and not to be ashamed of the gospel and and the, the one that we follow, Jesus, well, he ended up, he ended up getting murdered. And, and, and then his examples, the ones who did what he told them to do, they end up losing their lives. And so Paul might say in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But he's Paul. And Peter might be willing to go, yea, even unto death, or John to be exiled. But, but man, I don't know if I can follow in that example. I don't want to be rejected. I want to be accepted in the church environment. And I want to be accepted in the school environment. I want to be accepted at the Walmart environment. I want to be accepted at the party environment. I I just want to be accepted and, and to fall in line with the God who became man to redeem the world and have to embrace the rejection that he actually set an example of. That's hard. And so tonight, I just want us to look at how. Because I'm convinced that in our own strength, it's impossible. In our own strength to just sign up and go, yeah, I'm with you. It is, I think, I mean, I know we got some dedicated people here. I know we got some committed people. I know that some of you are very committed. But I I think if we read the scriptures and if I look even at the people that I know, I I think that if we try to do that in our own strength, 
And we just go, I'm just going to, in my commitment, my zeal, I'm just going to go live that way. I think, I think we end up discouraged. I think we end up falling flat on our face. I think we end up really unable to. And, and I don't believe that, that that's Jesus' plan. I don't think that Jesus' plan is here on your own strength now based upon the commitment that you made at church or the commitment. Now go live it. I, I think there's a little bit more to the story. That, that is part of the story, but it's incomplete. And there's a variable involved. There's a dynamic involved that I really think we need to lock in with tonight. So we're starting a series called Supernatural. And, and I think it takes supernatural power. I think it takes supernatural strength for us to really be a light to the world. I don't think that you could do it on your own. I don't think that you could just come here and say, okay, because Jesus did it, I'm going to go do it. Or because the, the, the disciples did it, I'm going to go do it. I'm just going to watch this, guys. Watch my commitment. I, I just don't think that you have it. I don't think that I have it. I think it takes something in the, that we see in the scriptures. I think there's something in there that if we look closely, there's, there's, there's more to the story. Because if we, even if we look at what Jesus did, Jesus told his disciples to go. But Jesus, when Jesus came, Matthew chapter 3, we read that Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. We read that the Holy Spirit comes on him. I don't know if you remember this, but he comes like in the form of a dove. And the Holy Spirit is fully, fully in Jesus. And Jesus has the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus walks in the power of God. He is God. Full power of the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting then is that when we see the first disciples that begin to walk out the faith. They begin to walk out what I'm going to call tonight supernatural boldness. In actuality, there's something that takes place after the cross before they become great witnesses. Before they ever become dynamic men that in the book of Acts change the world. Something takes place. We read so many verses. I, I don't even have time tonight to hit all of them, but I just want to give you a few of them. The first one, the one that you hear your youth pastors like Tyrell and Dan and I saying like a broken record is Acts 1.8. Where Jesus says to his disciples, but you will receive power. Say power. Say power. But you will receive. Let's try it again. But you will receive. But you will receive. Let's try it again. You will receive. But you will receive. Okay, so Jesus says it. Who said that? Who said you will receive power? Jesus, okay. Jesus said, but you will receive power. Who said, but you will receive power? Jesus, okay. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit... So he's talking to his disciples. He's looking at guys he's been hanging out with that he loves. Here there is voices. But you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now, I just want you to lock in with this for a minute. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, it's going to take the Holy Spirit to come on you. And in order to be witnesses, you're going to need power. (laughs) In order to have power, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will give you power and that power will help you to be witnesses. You see, based upon your own commitment and your own just raw dedication, you, 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 you can't deliver what's in your heart. Yes, it's in your heart. Peter, James, John, Matthew, whoever. But if you don't have power, you're not going to be able to do it. And it's actually the Holy Spirit. It's God inside of you that enables you to do the stuff. I may look at Kobe Bryant and say, dude, I desire to beat you one-on-one. 
Come. Come here, boy. I'm going to take you down. Come on, Kobe. What's wrong? You crying now? Come on. Right? I may look at Chris Paul, CP3, and be like, hey, come on, you're short. I can take you. You're only about a foot taller than me. You know, like, I mean, I could, I could say it, and I could have all the desire. I could have all the intent. I could imagine in my mind, you know, me just sailing right over Dwight Howard and be like, what's up, little guy? You know, I could imagine that. And I could say that. I could look, I could look straight in the eyes. I could look straight in the eyes of Chris Brosh and LeBron and D Wade and be like, I'll take all of y'all one on three. Come on, I got it. And in my head, I can see it and I can feel it and I can picture it and I'm committed to it. I'll beat you guys 21 to zero. Come on, LeBron. You know, I can, I, I can, I can, I can picture that. The problem would be is once we get on the court, That's where the problem would take place. It wouldn't be in the chance before. I I mean, I promise you, I could go toe-to-toe when it comes to just heckling LeBron. I could do it. I could heckle him more than... I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I got a squeaky voice. I'm kind of a heckler at a game anyway. You know, like, I could do it. The problem is, is that once you're on the court, if I don't have the power to do it, then it's a waste. Are you with me? Here's the reality. Sometimes... We're like in this room and we're like, we're going to take the world. yeah! And we've got this whole thing going, but we're missing the ingredient. We're missing the peace that God wants to inject in us so that we possess the power to go do the stuff. We got to have the power to go do what God's called us to do. It takes more than just a commitment. It takes the power. And how do you get the power? Well... The way that the disciples received the power was Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You need the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. In order to do this, you've, you've, got to, you've got to have the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. What does witnesses mean? When I think of witnesses, I think of people knocking on my door. No, that's not what we're talking about. Witnesses are people that talk about what they've seen and what they have heard. They've seen God. They've heard God and they talk about it. Witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. You'll be my proclaimers. You'll be my heralds. You'll be the people that take what I have been, who I am, and you will take it to the world. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to the world. How are you going to be salt and light? How are you going to take the good news and preach it? Yes, preach it with your words. Yes, preach it with your life. Yes, preach it with our actions. Yes, preach it with our dollars. Yes, preach it with the way that we serve. Yes, preach it. We preach it in every way. But how? You need power. You got to have power. Everybody, take your finger like this. Do just like this and say, I need power. I need power. Now, take your finger, put it right on the forehead of the person next to you and say, you need power. Yeah, you. You need power. You. You need power. Listen, friends, guys, here's what happens. A lot of you guys, you'll come back to me and you'll say, David, David, I feel like we keep talking about trying to reach people for Jesus. Shh. And you'll come back and you'll say, I feel like we keep talking about how we need to be witnesses or how we need to take the gospel to our campuses. But, but it's just unrealistic. It's just, and here's the reason why. The reason why you feel like it's unrealistic is not because it's unrealistic. It's because you don't have power. It's because you, you, you're just going, well, I'm going to just try to repeat some words and say some things. 
But friends, in your own strength, you can't do it. But you know what? Do you know who the Holy Spirit is? He's God. God inside of you is not intimidated by a cultural norm. God inside of you, who knows? Who knows what God can do? He's just looking for a vessel that says, God, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. There's more to be done. There's more to be done for our friends to know Jesus, but it's going to take power. It's not a good plan. It's not just a good plan. It's not just a good kid. It's not just a good teenager. It's not just a good strategy. It's not just a good youth group. Guys, it's what Moses said. When Moses said to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we're hosed. We need God. We need the power of God. We need God's power in order to do what God's called us to do. You need his power. The Greek word there is the word dunamis. And it's the idea of supernatural power. Not power like my own power. It's supernatural power. It's God's power. In your own zeal, in your own commitment, you cannot do it. And I just want you to just breathe and go, "Ah, there's some relief in that. There is some relief in that. And just going, based upon what I've got, I can't do it. Okay, it's not me. There's some strength in that. There's some, ah, some, everybody just kind of, Breathe it, breathe out, go, okay, it's not up to me. All right, whoo, all right, now breathe on the person next to you, Joe, whoo, all right, there you go, yeah, uh, it's not up to you, all right, good. But listen, listen, guys, here's the deal. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, put your name in there. When the Holy Spirit comes on Drew, when the Holy Spirit comes on Lawrence, When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you go from being timid to strong. Not right, Michael. Not right. Okay? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And weak people, weak people that are prone to timidity, to be insecure, to be scared to death to talk, to be scared to death to preach, to be scared to death to serve, weak people become strong when the Holy Spirit comes on them. Let me give you an example. Peter, all right? We're going to do some Bible here. All right, but let's just look at this. Matthew chapter 26. Here we go. Verse 69. Here we go. Matthew chapter 26. Now just look at Peter. All right, this is Peter pre the Holy Spirit coming on him in power. Listen to this. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl, a servant girl. That means she's in junior high, all right? She's a servant girl. Like she was in this culture, she was... The youngest of the young, she was a servant girl. She was not, she, they would have said, what, it wasn't a woman here, it was a girl, it was a young girl. All right? A servant girl came to him. You also are with Jesus of Galilee, she said. Okay? Now, Peter, big, strong fisherman. In order to be a fisherman, you had to be big and strong. You had to, I mean, you had to be, you know, he, this is what he did for, as a trade. He wasn't, I mean, he was, he was a strong guy. He was a big guy. He, I don't know his height, but I mean, he was not a, 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 a weenie man. He was, he, was, he was of a different kind. All right, so, all right, and so, and so, and so this, is, this is Peter. And he looks at a servant girl, a young girl. But he denied it before them all. And he looked at this girl. You want to talk about timid. 
Jesus has been arrested. Now there's the threat that those associated with this, what is perceived as a criminal, that they could be persecuted too. And so in the moment of opportunity where Peter has many times, and you know it well, you remember the story where Peter looks at Jesus over and over and goes, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will not betray you. I will not deny you. That's what Peter says. I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Remember, Jesus and Peter have that dialogue. And, then, and Peter's this guy that's confident. No, you don't, you don't know the strength that I have. Here he denies her. He denies Jesus to this little girl. Then he went, out to the gate, he, he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again. With an oath. I don't know the man. Can you imagine? I know you're familiar with the story. But imagine going from being the guy who's like the right hand on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not be able to overcome it. And what's up? I mean, we're boys, and Jesus, I'll go with you unto death. And now I don't know him. Make an oath. I promise a swearing. I promise you. I, do. I mean, we're talking about the God of the ages who you get to hang out with, and he denies him. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. And before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Here's Peter. Peter says, I don't know him. I, I don't know him. I don't know him. And you and I, that's our story. How many times, how many times have you prayed right down here, even where Stefan led us a few moments ago where we're on our knees and we're talking about the greatness of God. We're telling him how much we love him. Or you're in the prayer meeting, you're at the conference, you're at the retreat, you're on the mission trip. God, I love you. God, I'm committed to you. God, I'll say whatever you want me to say. God, I'll be a light. I will go. I mean, you're doing the whole thing. How many times do you find yourself in the situation where it's the opportunity to share, it's the opportunity to be something out there and timidity sets in and you're disappointed in yourself and just like Peter, you feel the pain of it. John chapter 20, the story goes, Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. And after he has risen, he appears. And John tells the story in John 20. He tells the story of Jesus entering the room where the disciples were hanging out. Jesus comes walking through the wall. (laughs) On the evening of the first day of the week, verse 19, John 20. When his disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, and here it is, and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. All right? So, Peter denies him. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. 
Jesus dies on the cross, raises from the dead. Peter's hanging out with all the disciples. Jesus walks in the room, walks through walls, looks at them and says, I'm sending you the way that the Father sent me. The Father sent me from heaven to earth. Now I'm sending you to the earth. For I, I representing heaven. I, rep, I am God. I'm sending you to the earth just like the Father sent me to the earth. You are actually the people that go do what I've been doing. You've watched me. You've heard me. I've taught you. I've prayed with you. Now you're going to go do that stuff. Go be that. Go do that. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive. And he breathes on them. Now, I don't know about you. But when I look at the timid Peter that is nervous before servant girls. Another, one of the other gospels that says that he was warming himself around a fire. You know, like, uh, scared to death. Just kind of, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. To the man that we read in the book of Acts. When Luke tells the story... He's the author of Acts. When Luke tells the story of who Peter is through Acts, we do not see a tiny, whimpering fisherman scared to death of servant girls. We see, like, John Wayne Peter. I mean, this guy is Holy Ghost, man of God. Listen to this. Let me just, let me just prove it to you. Do you know who John Wayne is? All right, Vin Diesel, some, Vin Diesel, man of God, something like that, all right? All right. The Rock, man of God, I don't know. So, all right. Just look at this. Look at this guy, Peter, all right? In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. We're talking about the guy who denied Jesus to servant girls. Acts 1.15, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and started preaching. Tough, all right? Acts 2, next chapter. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. So not just the 120 who were the believers, but now he's addressing a crowd. He says, fellow Jews, all of you who, are, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. And then he just preaches the gospel. Peter, the guy that was scared of girls. Don't be offended, ladies. But this was not your six-foot-two volleyball varsity girl that he was denying Jesus, that he was denying the new... We're talking, it was a servant girl. It was a little girl. It was a little... Hey, you are with Jesus. That kind of... I mean, it, and Peter... Now, 120 strong. The crowd, preaching to the Jews, preaching there. Boom, strong. Look at Acts 3. So, I mean, Acts 2, he just starts breaking down scripture. The guy turns into like, I mean, incredible preacher, right there, bold, strong. Acts 3, listen to this. Then Peter... Or, uh, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth, that means his, his was actually lame from birth, uh, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. So, one of them's going to talk. Then Peter said, look at us. I just like that. I just think Peter's just kind of, he's just, he's just the opposite of timid. He's kind of got this snarl, this, this confident, look at us. Mm, hey, blind man, or blame man, don't blind man, lame man, look at us. <laughs> hey, lame man. He didn't say lame man. He said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, listen to Peter. This is the confidence that he has. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Which I just love this. Before you ever get to the verb, you get the confidence that he's going to give him something. He doesn't say, let me just pray for you and let's just see what happens. He just looks at him and goes, let me give you what I got, dude. It's 
confident. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to give sight to the blind, to lift the legs of the broken, the lame, the hurting, to help them, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the entire world. Peter's got it in his heart. Holy Spirit's inside of him. He just looks at him and goes, look at us. Look at me. I don't have any money, but I got something better. And then there was one who breathed on him in the same way, in the same capacity, the same way that, that, that Jesus had done a miracle. and They received the Holy Spirit. He says, walk. Take him by the right hand. He helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Next chapter, Acts 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called on account today for the acts of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name, and he just says it, a while back, he, wanted, he wouldn't even say that he knew who Jesus was. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Now, they're coming before him, threatening him. And he says, I'll tell you who it is. It is by the name of Jesus Christ. And then he looks at them. And I don't know exactly how this went down. But I know in our culture, if you did it this way, this would be like you're picking a fight. If I did this, if I did this to a crowd, this would be like, this guy's ticked, this guy's picking a fight. Listen to the way Peter says this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Her. Whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. That this man stands before you healed. And Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no, one, there is no other name under heaven given to mankind but which, by which we must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. And they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. One more. Verse 31. They all got together and says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. One of the evidences that you are filled with the Holy Spirit is you speak the word of God boldly. But David, I don't want to speak the word of God boldly because in my culture it's not okay. And in the, in the, it's okay to do that in the private sector, but not in the public sector. Welcome to the privilege of being a Christian. Welcome to the privilege of being a Christ follower in the present tense. Yeah, but everything else is, is easy for me. I live, in the, I live in the richest nation ever. My mom and my dad take care of me. Things are nice for me. I get n- nice Nike clothes when I want them. And so how could I ever have some discomfort for my faith? You know what? This is your great opportunity. In this culture. Right here. Right now. To be a light. To stand for something. To stand with Jesus. Stand with Him. And you can try to tie it into intellectual knots as much as, and as long as you want about how you don't want to talk about Jesus or be like Jesus out there, but every time it falls short of what Jesus commanded us to do. He commanded it. He told us to do it. And it is okay in America, in Christian youth groups, all across the land. And I've been, I've been around Christian youth groups for the last 16 years. And I've watched it. It's okay to come together and be all, all into it at church. And then when we go out there, nobody even knows who the Christians are. 
But I'm just telling you, as far as what God's called this house to be, what this tent is going to be, God's called us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to speak the word of God boldly. To be as filled with the Holy Spirit as we can be. Not partial. Not like, hey, I want to get a little bit of the Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm going to get just enough of the Holy Spirit to feel like I'm Spirit-empowered and to be able to have some spiritual dialogue. But I don't want to be too filled with the Holy Spirit because I don't know... I want to still be in control. Well... That means you're not filled. The very essence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that God inside of you has control of your life. The very essence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that God inside of you, the Holy Spirit, God working over, working in your life, you have surrendered to Him. So in Ephesians 5, when Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, don't get, on, on, uh, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, sing, make hymns and spiritual songs, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get drunk on the Holy Spirit is essentially what he's saying. Be completely filled. The same way that the people in Ephesus are getting drunk on wine, you go, uh, overfill. Go, go way too extreme. Get as much as you can of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a request. It's a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. In, in our context, we would say, I mean, what can you be filled with here? You could be like a buffet. It's like, go to the buffet. Here we get filled up on buffets. It's like going to, going to where's a buffet here? Golden Curry. That's gross. Uh, anything better than that? Sizzler. No, that's gross too. We don't have good buffets. It's like, it's like, it's like go to Sizzler. And if you were to go to Sizzler and... Fill up or golden corral and fill up. It's like where you're stuffed, you just can't eat anymore. That would be the present tense application. Go to the Holy Spirit buffet and feast all day. That's what it would be. That's what Paul would say. It would be, it would not be, it would be like go to Panera where they have refills on coffee all day long and get all that you can. Caffeine, 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 decaf, 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 caffeine, caffeine, all day long. Get as much as you can. Refill over and over and over and over again. Don't go to the place where there's no free refills. Go to the place where you can get filled up over and over and over and over again. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be over and over again. Get as much as you can. Get as much of the Spirit of God as you... Don't get a little bit. Be overflowing, abundant, more than you could ever ask or imagine. Get as much of the Holy Spirit as you can. And when we read about the men of God in the Word of God, that were filled with the Holy Spirit. Boldness marked them. When Stephen was being martyred, it said Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to pray to heaven as he gave his life. The first martyr. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preached the gospel. Friends, I know there is a secret to how we live with boldness. And I know half of you go, I don't want to live with boldness. And let me tell you why. Because you're not filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The evidence of the Holy Spirit is that there is boldness. Boldness. And when they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they all spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. Don't get a little bit of the Holy Spirit. Don't live with a little bit of timidity. Let's get the fullness. Mel, will you come on up? Mel and team. Let's get the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness. Be filled, overflowing, all that you can. All the refills, all the buffet, get drunk on the Holy Spirit, get all that you can, and you watch over time. 
boldness spills out. Boldness starts to come. I've watched it for years. I've watched young men and women that get in the presence of God and get filled with the Holy Spirit. Boldness comes as a work of God within them. Your own zeal, you can't do it. And I know you go, hey, I tried. And some of you feel like you tried to preach the gospel. You tried to be strong and you weren't able to do it. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Take your time. Let the Holy Spirit fill you up and you'll watch. You will grow in supernatural boldness. It will be God using you. Not just your commitment, not just your human zeal, but God's work, the Holy Spirit's work through you. And who knows what God could do? I'm just curious. What do you think God could do? There's a lot of young people in this room tonight. What could God do? What will he do if we really get filled with the Holy Spirit, where we love the Holy Spirit, where we talk about the Holy Spirit, where we say, have the Holy Spirit have your way. Not, don't be scared of the Holy Spirit. Half of you are scared of the Holy Spirit. You're nervous. When Jesus talked about it in John 14, 16, Jesus doesn't say, and then the Holy Spirit, a scary guy will come. No. Jesus says, the helper. He's going to help you. He's not coming to scare you. Ooga booga, ooga booga. No. No. He's coming to help you. If I'm going to help Tyrell, Tyrell would like to have me around. If he's got to carry 500 pounds, 200 pounds around, and I'm going to help, and I'm going to take a load, I'm going to take 100 pounds, he'd rather have that than not have that. The Holy Spirit is not scary. He's going to help you be bold. He's here to help you be strong. He's here to help you be a witness. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to be nervous. You don't have to be freaked out. He's not going to do anything weird to you. Are you with me? Stand on your feet. I'm going to pray tonight. For those of you that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, would you just come forward quickly right now? Just come forward right now. I just want to pray for you. Come quickly. Don't hesitate. Good job. Listen, we're going to camp out on this Holy Spirit supernatural thing for quite a few weeks. And I believe God's going to do great things. Stefan believes that God's going to do great things. We're believing. We're showing up here on Wednesday nights with faith. We don't want to just go through a routine. Listen, we're going to blink and five years are going to go by and you guys are going to be leaders all across the nation. And some of you are going to go to the East Coast and some to the West Coast and some to, to, to universities all over, the, all over the world. Some of you will go be short-term missionaries. What we do right here in terms of you going deep in God matters. It matters. It makes a difference. Hold out your hands like this. Now here's the deal. When Jesus talked in John 20, he just said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's nothing you have to do. All you got to do is just imagine yourself like an empty container. Just let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Come in you. Just rest in a heart that's open. Holy Spirit, we are your sons and we are your daughters. And you are God. And we say, come, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit, 
Come, Holy Spirit. I pray for supernatural boldness. Come. We receive the Holy Spirit tonight. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, have your way. Come. Set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life. 